This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I wish everybody a good morning. Thank you so much to all the song leaders and songs that you have chosen this morning to help prepare our minds uh, to study a portion of God's Word and to allow us to be able to lift up our praise and our adoration to our Heavenly Father. If you are here this morning and count yourself as a visitor, we want to welcome you and uh, hope that you'll come back at every available opportunity. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, the letter to Ephesus. We're going to be concentrating our, our time on the Apostle Paul's prayer for this congregation. Uh, to kind of give you a little background before we look at this prayer, this letter was written from the prison bars of Rome. <clears throat> Paul wrote this in the latter years of his life. And uh, Ephesus was one of those places that he, uh, that he spent some time in and, uh, and helped that helped start this congregation. Uh, and then as we know, as, as far as Paul's missionary journeys, that uh, many people would come after him and begin to water and kind of continue on his work. Paul loved this congregation. This place was full of idolatry. It was full of witchcraft. It was full of earthly wisdom that, that, that ruled the society of this day. But Paul, nevertheless, was able to overcome those obstacles, start a church. This church, this church is growing. They have increased their faith in the Lord. They have increased their love for one another. And Paul, and this brought much joy, of course, to Paul, being able to be a part of that work. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to be studying over six verses. Six verses this morning. But within these six verses, if we can apply these things to our lives, it will have deep, everlasting uh, effects on our Christian life. If we can apply the things, this prayer to our lives, it will strengthen the roots of our Christianity and make more sure the foundation that our lives are resting upon, that way that no matter what storm comes our way, no matter what obstacle we have to face, we will overcome. That's the power that we're about to unveil this morning. So without further ado, let's begin our study. Again, these verses are going to be coming from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, if you want to follow, follow along. I've got all the verses up here on the, on the projector, so you can follow along with me if you'd like. Ephesians 1 and 15, verses 16, it says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. I love Paul's example here. Because he did not live a day without praying for this congregation specifically. There were specific needs that he was praying for for the church at Ephesus. 
Now, I want us to understand here, as he teaches a lot of good things in this letter to Ephesus, that he accompanies those teachings with prayer. How many times have you looked at your child in the face and, and taught the principles that are within this book that we hold in our lap, and it goes through one ear and not the other? How many times have you heard a powerful message and you say to yourself, I'm going to make changes in my life, and then you do not? It may be that we lack prayer in our teaching. It may be that we have not accompanied our teaching with prayer to the Almighty name. But Paul is an example of that. He accompanies the both of them together, and he's very successful. Another thing that I want us to notice is what Paul prays for. We haven't started this prayer yet, but I want us to notice as we're looking into his prayer, what he doesn't pray for and what he does pray for. We're going to notice if you were to accompany all the prayers that we have record of, of the Apostle Paul, what you're not going to find is him praying much for the physical. He did not care about the economy of Asia Minor. He didn't care who was the elected official. He did not care about whether or not they were healthy or not. He doesn't pray for, for a long life for these folks. What does he pray for? He prays for the Spirit. Paul understood something. That this life is a speck. This 80 plus years that we have here on earth is but a speck compared to 70,000 years from now in eternity. What Paul cared about this morning is he cared about the 70,000 years of eternity that we're going to live either in hell or in heaven. And he wanted to make sure that every church that he was a part of was able to go through those pearly gates, walk upon the streets of gold, into the mansion that God was preparing for them. That's what he cared about. That's what he was praying for. And so we can take that example this morning and be sure that the spiritual needs that we have in our life precede that of the physical. Nothing wrong with praying about physical. I'm not saying that. But let's make sure that the spiritual prayers are taking place in our lives and for each other. All right, let's begin this prayer. Ephesians 1 and 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The Apostle Paul wanted this church to be able to have the spirit of wisdom, knowledge, revelation. That's what he was praying for. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time that you woke up craving the Word of God? Nothing else came before the Word of God. When's the last time you hungered and thirsted after God's Word? When we open God's Word, do we find ourselves having to force ourselves? Is it a box that we check off every day? It's a question. It's a good question. What I'm trying to get at here is that we cannot have the spirit of wisdom and of knowledge 
unless something takes place in our life. If, if we do not hunger and thirst after these words that we have in God's Word, then there's a problem. We cannot receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let's look at a verse here. Verse Corinthians 2, 12-14. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with the spiritual. Listen to this. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. If we do not crave God's Word, if we're not opening it every day and loving every second of it, if we have to force ourselves, if we're becoming dull and bored when we're opening God's Word, if it has not come alive to us, then we are filled with the natural man. I'll give you an illustration. David and they can sell their house. They need a place to stay. They're going to be homeless for a couple of weeks. So they say, Clint and Amy, I've never been to your house, but would you care if we stay with you? And so Clint and Amy says, sure. So David and Megan, they get their suit cases, they bring their kids, they open the door, there's 50 dogs come out of Clint and Amy's house. They see cats scattered. They look at the countertops, they can't even see the top of the countertop because they're full of, of, of rotten groceries. Uh, they see a thousand flies inside the house, they're swarming, and, and uh, there's, there's ferrets and all kinds of stuff in this house. It's completely disgusting. They can't even sit on the couch because it's full of, uh, of dirty clothes. They can't lay on the bed because that's where the ferrets lay. I mean, they're, they're just like, as soon as they open that door, Megan's gone. And they just chase them after her. They're like, I'm sorry, Clint, but we can't stay with you. You see, that is how the Holy Spirit works. Unless we, we have been given a temple, right? This body. It is the house of the Holy Spirit. And unless we cleanse this temple, unless we make a home for the Holy Spirit, it cannot work in our lives. We cannot have the spirit of wisdom, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot have the spirit of knowledge, the revelation, the work of the Holy Spirit, unless we make a home for the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is what he is talking about here. So if the words of God are dull to us and boring to us, it's because we are full of carnality. We are full of the, the cares of this life. We, we love pleasure. And we just simply have not cleansed our temple. Ephesians chapter 1 and 17. We're going to look at the second part of this verse. Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would have at the church of Ephesus walk in the knowledge of him. What does that mean? So you may know him. The words that are on this, on this page of Brian's lap, you see, they are not only to help us understand what is good or what is bad. These words that we have from God are not only to give us direction in life and help us have better relationships. Do you have a real reason for the Word of God? 
that we can have a relationship with God. So that we can know Him. So that we can know, as, as Dane said, the love of God, the immeasurable love. We cannot understand the depth, the height, the, the width of it. We cannot. God prays that we can. So these words that we have are so that we can have a relationship with God. So that we can understand the power and, and His wisdom and His knowledge and His mercy, His long-sufferingness, His, His gentleness. That is why we have these words so that when we know Him, then we can praise Him and worship Him and spend our lives glorifying Him. Is it important that we know God? That we have a relationship with Him? 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 9 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. Now this is talking about the coming of Jesus. He says He's going to come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They shall be punished with everlasting destruction. You know, I've always thought this know not God was talking about an atheist. But no, that's not correct. The atheist is referred to uh, those folks that do not obey the gospel, at that death, the resurrection of our Lord. But the people that know not God are professed Christians. They are people like you and I. They would go to church. They would do good works unto God. They would profess and carry that name of a Christian as a disciple. That's who that's talking about. Those that don't have a relationship with Him. You see, it all starts with cleansing that temple. Cleansing this body that we're given. Cleansing, putting to death that, death, that, that evil man so that we can know God. Is it important to know God? We will not see Him face to face and live with Him in eternity if we don't know Him. Remember the five foolish virgins? Remember they didn't have enough oil? And they knocked on the door, Jesus' door. And you know what? He opened up and said, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. He also said, many will say to me, Oh Lord, have you not prophesied in my name? We taught in your name. We did many wonderful works. He says, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. It is important for us to know who God is and to have a relationship with Him. And we cannot do that without the Holy Spirit working in our lives and providing us with that Spirit and knowledge. Okay, let's move on. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. When the Holy Ghost is working in our lives, as it should... And when we have the spirit of knowledge and wisdom, we're going to basically see things differently a lot. We're going to speak differently. We're going to act differently. We're going to think differently. In other words, our eyes are going to be opened. I'll give you a little illustration. You remember after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, there were a lot of people that were uh, kind of had the doom and gloom feeling. They were depressed. They were hopeless. Remember the story where, where two men were walking to, to, I believe it was Emmaus, and uh, it was just right after the Lord's resurrection, and they didn't know about His resurrection. They knew of Jesus. They had heard Him. They had met Him. 
They saw him die, but that was it. And so they were depressed, and they were hopeless in their journey, and Jesus is walking and talking with them, and they do not even know that it was the Messiah. But he begins to expand on them more perfectly. The, the, the prophecy about his death and about his burial and about his resurrection. And what happened? All of a sudden, their eyes were open and they saw Jesus. They're like, this has been you talking to us the whole time. That is what the power of the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. Our eyes can be opened. We can see clearly how God wants us to see. We can hear as God wants us to hear. That's what He wants for us. But you see, we can have our eyes closed. And that's what sin causes in our lives. We will close our eyes where when we hear these words, our ears are shut. Our ears are shut. We cannot see how God wants us to see. We cannot understand His purpose and His will for our lives and for the world itself as a whole. Remember, uh, Elijah is another example. Remember how he was the one that was super depressed. It was a very terrible time in this world, and everybody was given into uh, to idolatry, especially the idol of Baal. And he's so discouraged by this. He felt hopeless. He's like, God, I'm the only one that has it bowed down to Baal. You remember what he does? What did he see? He saw 7,000 prophets. 7,000 that had not bowed down to Baal. He gave him hope, you see. We live today in this society. We turn on the news, and the news wants us to think doom and gloom. That all is lost in the world, but no, it is not. If we will open our eyes and we can see clearly that there are there is an, a rising that is taking place with you and with me, and it's out there, and it's happening right now. There are people that are preparing themselves to stand against the principalities of this world and against an evil that awaits us today. We are getting ready for battle, and it's about to take place. And so thank God for that. May our eyes be opened to the hope that is around us, which is what he talks about next. He says that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Is hope important? I can imagine a lot of hope. The truth of the matter is that we all have hope in something, don't we? The question is, is our hope in the right place? I struggle with it. my hope in financial security. I just want to know that I can pay the bills next month. That's a blessing. That little, little buffer there, in case anything comes up, blow the engine. I have a lot of hope. That's a terrible place to live because, in all honesty, I've had good times and I've had bad times. We all have bad times. Like Solomon says, riches will fly away from you. Don't put your hope in that. A lot of times we put hope in our spouse. We put hope in our children. We put hope in our parents, our grandparents. We put hope in our occupations, our jobs. We put hope in, the, in, in this nation that we live in, maybe under the president or a governor. We put our hope in a lot of places. Maybe sometimes it may be our health, maybe the, our appearance. Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, ooh. That's no place to put hope. 
there is one place to put it. That's what Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus. He said, I hope that you will put your hope in the inheritance that awaits us. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9-10. It says, but as it is written, I have not seen. Nor ear heard. Neither have even entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. My dad did a special thing for me. He went six hours out of the way and showed me the Grand Canyon one sunset. And we both just sat there and stared down at this canyon. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. We were just in awe. It's like there's nothing more beautiful than this. And a lot of you folks have been to places that just take your breath away. But Paul says that heaven cannot even touch that. Our, our imaginations can't even begin to describe how wonderful heaven is going to be. And without, without this hope, you have depression this morning, if you have sadness in your life, that means that our hope is in the wrong place. It's got to be here. Paul had hope. He says, I can't wait to die. How many of us say that? We're like, no, I'm going to spend a million dollars to keep myself alive a little bit longer. Just a couple more weeks. But Paul says, I can't wait to die. He says, I wish, I wish Jesus would take me right now. But he says, he won't do it because he has plans for me still. There was work to do still in Paul's life. I wish we could have that mindset. Don't be afraid of that. That's when it all begins. That city, this little, this little earth, this little time here, this, earth, this little speck. We're talking about 100,000 years from now. Think about that. We will be with God for all eternity. Amen. Man, let's have hope in that. If that's the place, if that's what really takes place in our lives, we lose our job, oh well, God promised me I'm going to eat. I got hope. Nothing can take that. No one can take that away. No one. All right, let's move on. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Did we not just say, I have to read King James verse a couple of times <laughs> to get some of the words, but he talks about the exceeding greatness of his power. He talks about mighty power. What kind of power are we talking about? The kind of power that brought Jesus out of the grave. The moon, the stone, Move the soldiers out of the way. All the powers of Rome, like he overcame all of that death itself. That is the kind of power that Paul says, you and me, we have access to. How about that? Check this verse out. John 14 and 12. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Did we hear that? The same power that Jesus Christ had upon this earth. Yes, we're talking about the power that he had 
when he took a couple of fishes and a couple of loaves of bread and he multiplied that and fed 5,000 people. That kind of power. The kind of power that would cause a man that can't see to see. A lame to walk. That is the kind of power that we have access to if we believe. Do you believe? Paul says he did. I can do all things through Christ, which is my strength, which is my power. He could do it. He believed in it, and he did it. I think about, I think about his life. Can you imagine being stoned? Can you imagine that, having a rock hit? How many have been hit with a rock? I have, it hurts. But imagine someone trying to kill you with rocks. You get hit in the head, I'd be done. I'd be, like, I'd be climbing up in a ball, like, please don't throw another one at me. Time and time again until his, until his adversaries thought he was dead. Threw him off the bluff, he's done. He's dead. That's what happened to Paul. He had a whip 39 times. And they attached to that whip were chunks of basically bone and razor blades. And they would scrape that across his back time and time again. Did that face him? Absolutely not. Shipwreck, whatever, whatever the cost. He was ready for any challenge because he had the power of God flowing through his hands. And so do you. So do you. So do I. Love this verse. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. There are so many of us that live with the same habits, the same temptations every day of our lives. We think, well, I can't overcome this one, so I'm going to live with it. It's good I have to live with it. No, that is not the case. We do not believe in the power of God. If we're just accepting that we're going to deal with the same temptation all the rest of our life. That is nonsense. That is the, that is the lie of Satan. How many times do we see people and we're like, there's no hope for that person? No hope for that person. We're too far gone. That's a lie from Satan because the power of God is converting. We think that this nation has no hope. It's too far gone. That is nonsense. They were 12 men that turned the world upside down. Up the world upside down. 12 men that did that. And Paul was a part of that. We can be a part of that. In closing this morning, we want to get real. This is not just a letter to the church of Ephesus. This is a letter to you and I. As we come in contact with God's holy word, God Himself. We have to humbly approach that word, opening our hearts. Open our hearts. Is the word of God told to you today? Do you have to force yourself to read and study God's word? If that's the case, all this other stuff is lacking in our lives. That's the truth of the matter. That means that the Holy Spirit can't work in our lives because it's too cluttered. It's too messy. Can't work. So we don't have access to, to hope. We don't have access to that power. 
if the Holy Spirit can't work in our lives, if we're not doing the work, allow the Holy Spirit to work on sanctifying all the garbage, then we cannot access this hope that helps us to get through anything. If we have fear in our life, that means that we have not access this power that changed the world and it can change the world today. And it is. It is. This is a time that if you have lost your connection with the Lord, if you have lost that relationship with Him, this is a time that we need to do something about it. Not let another second go by. We've got to be alive. It's too important. Too important. We're missing out on too much. This now too much, if that is the case. If you have not obeyed the gospel and been in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord will come back. It may be this afternoon, it may be tomorrow morning, I don't know. You don't know either. But if you know the first principles, you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you want to give your life to Jesus and crucify that old man, Cleanse that table. Get the garbage out. And you're ready to dip your body into the blood of Jesus Christ to be resurrected in newness of life. We beg you to come now as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.